0: Good morning. It is a great day to be alive, let me tell you, because God is good, and he wanted you to live in this time and era of our nation and of our world. Before we jump in the message, I want to mention something uh, about the leadership of the church that we have joined a network for a year. It's a resourcing and training network for pastors and church leaders called Gateway Network. Uh, it is uh, actually out of Robert Morris's church there in Dallas, Gateway uh, Church. And he has a whole team of network pastors that develop and lead this. And they offer several trainings during the year. And so there's a team of us leaving, going to be down there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of this week. And uh, I'm really excited about this because we get a coaching call every month. Uh, They'll be coming to visit us sometime on a weekend uh, and to sit down with us and give us some uh, evaluation and suggestions. It's a network of building us up. We're not under any of uh, their authority as far as that goes. It's just a year commitment. So uh, I'm just feeling it's just resources and, and training that I've been looking for and in the leaders of the church as well. So uh, let's pray over that right now and just ask God uh, to bless us and use us. Father, we just uh, respect uh, the work of the Holy Spirit through Gateway Church and their network. And Lord, we thank you of this open door uh, to receive wisdom and to, uh, for fruitfulness, Lord God, for expanding your kingdom. And so we're praying over these next few days, but over this uh, year with them, Lord God, that that we would have a a sense of increase in our knowledge, our understanding, our wisdom, and bearing fruit for you in your kingdom. Amen. Thank you. Well, the title of this message is David, a man after God's own heart. And it's going to take all summer uh, to get through this. If you haven't heard my little uh, teasers uh, in the last couple of days, uh, David, there's more information in written content about the life of David than any other Bible character except Jesus Christ. I did a rough count in the uh, several Old Testament books. There's 59 or so chapters that address his life. And we get to know him. Uh, about you know in, in the in the middle teen years 15 16 years old or so until he dies and even and that doesn't count the book of psalms where he wrote perhaps most of those chapters in the book of psalms so we God wants his life displayed to the world ever since he lived God wanted his, his life to, in details I mean all all the yucky details that you and I would never want anybody to know about God put it in his word. And you know your your bible is is a powerful book. It is true it's his, it's a historical book. What we'll be learning are historical uh, uh facts about his life and about Israel. You'll be learning that. In fact, if you've heard me say this before archaeologists whether they're Christian or non-Christian have a bible in their stack of of books and resources because it's so accurate where the cities and towns where people lived and what eras and so forth. And so yes, it's true, but it's more than true. It's more than a good history book, folks. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wanted these details of David's life to be in our Bible So we would study it. So there's the there are examples and illustrations that will go, oh, I can I can relate to that. Oh wow, yeah, that helps me. Oh, and there's he inspires these stories to impact our lives. And so I'm really excited about getting into it. The the subtitle for this part one is Humility Lost. Humility Lost and and we're actually going to have to start Uh, right before David with King Saul, because King Saul was the first king, David was the second, and, and we'll also start with Samuel, the prophet Samuel, who anointed Saul and he anointed David, and so we have to get those characters in line before we can just jump into David next Sunday, Lord willing. So, Father, we're asking that this inspired... It says Old Testament Lord it's it's the Old Testament's not old like it like it's running out of steam or running out of strength well this is inspired word of God these are our holy scriptures and so we ask Lord as we start in this series that our ears and our hearts would just be in tune and hungry for what you have for us during this time in Jesus name amen I want to just throw up some quick Israel history so you can get the idea of the timeline and, and just refresh your memory when David falls into this this timeline of of the nation of of Israel. I did this a couple weeks ago. I'm just going to take a couple minutes to do that. We have uh, Abraham, who is the founding father of the nation of Israel, and that was he was born in 2167 or so uh, BC. He's the one that God said, "Okay, leave your homeland and go to this." And he describes where Israel is today. And there I will make your descendants great, and you will be a blessing to all the nations. And then his son was Isaac. And uh, Isaac, um, uh, he had a couple of sons, Esau and Jacob, and they had their own tussles and family issues, some uh, pretty heartbreaking stories in there. And Jacob ends up uh, being the one to receive the inherited blessing of, of Isaac. And he has 12 sons. And then as they were growing up, there was a drought and they had already betrayed their one of the younger sons, Joseph. And he was in Egypt preparing the way for this drought. And sure enough, they all had to move to Egypt. And then they, uh, the Pharaoh turned their back on them. And so going into a 40-year history, Israel was in bondage in Egypt. And so then we get in the story of Moses being raised up to uh, lead the people out of um, the bondage in Israel I mean Egypt and Joshua actually the one that led them into the land because they wandered 40 years there in the desert that was a bummer and uh, but God made them ready for uh, Joshua to lead them in the promised land and then there is the book of judges in the book of judges um, There were 10 judges, these were just leaders that, as needed, propped up in different tribes and areas of the nation that would lead them out of uh, being oppressed by enemies. They were oppressed because they had turned their back on God and started worshiping false idols, and so a leader had to rise up and get their eyes back on God, repent, and then at the end of these 10 judges comes the prophet Samuel, and that's where we'll start today. And the prophet Samuel was like none other. He was born in 1070 B.C. His mom was named Hannah, and she had been barren. And she had been calling out to God to have children. And God heard her cry, and she had a baby boy. And she was so grateful and saw this as an act of God is she dedicated this little baby boy to to the temple, to the worship center, the the, the tabernacle where where uh, Eli was the priest at the time? And he it says when he was weaned, she gave just gave him when she was there in Jerusalem there to worship. She gave him and said, "I'm giving my only son that God finally gave me. I'm just giving him to you." Mm. That's a dedication to the Lord. And he was around three, four, five years old. So he grew up in the presence of God. He grew up just serving around the worship, the sacrifices, uh, all the singers, all the people that would come several times a year and give sacrifices. He was around that serving and helping his whole life. He's the one in... uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, where he's around, I think he's, what, 12 or 13 years old at this time. And he is asleep in the middle of the night, and he keeps hearing a voice that says, Samuel, Samuel. And he's like, get something, go, to Eli, Eli, you know, priest, the priest, say, hey, you know, what what do you want? What do you need? I'm here to serve you. He said, no, I'm just sound asleep, but just go back to sleep. This happened twice, another time, and Eli goes, oh, God. Must be speaking to Samuel. Perhaps he is a chosen one to be a speaker for God. And so he said, Next time you hear that voice, this is how I want you to reply. And so that's what he does. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10. Then the Lord came and stood and called out as at other times and said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And that began his prophetic ministry. And it was a, it was a challenging start. Here he is, just a, a, a young, young man, and he gets a word about Eli's family being judged and that they would not continue on in the priesthood. And God had already spoken that to Eli the priest, so it wasn't brand new news. And Eli in the morning goes, so what what did God say? Well, you know, let's just eat, drink our coffee, and have some more matzah. How's that sound? And he had to actually tell him what God told him, that God was going to judge you and your family. And Eli said, may the Lord do what he what his will is and it says later on and as he grew in this ministry 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 19 to 20 that so Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground and all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet for the Lord so this concept of his words not falling to the ground that means that when he spoke uh, for God that it happened It ended up happening and coming about, uh, defeating enemies, uh, healing people, whatever miracles that were happening. When he spoke it, it happened. It was surprising, even though this is in other places in the Bible as well, that even though he was a giant in the power of God and hearing God's voice speaking accurately over and over again, his children didn't come up righteously, and they were next to Be prophets and be priests and so forth, and and they, and 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 to be prophets, and the people saying, "Listen, Samuel, your sons are not like you." And they started calling out for a king, like all these other nations that attack us and come get us. We want a king. That really hurt Samuel. It was like, "You've had judges now. You've had prophets. What? Why do you uh, have to just copy?" what these other nations are doing, and that hurt him. And, 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 the, and the Lord said, listen, that's actually them rejecting me. Don't take this so personally. They're really rejecting me. But do what they ask. So then we start on this story of Saul. Saul was actually um, just out and about looking for some lost donkeys. And this is how he's described in 1 Samuel chapter nine I don't have this verse up you just to let you know they de- they describe him that he is from uh, his father is from a is a powerful man a powerful family in the in the small tribe of, of Benjamin but he is a choice and handsome man it says and he was more handsome than all, among all the children of Israel. And his shoulders was upward, taller than any of the other people. And so he just was a stud. He was a stud. And he was had to build and he had to look. And I mean, you're just like, wow, impressive. He just looked the part. And so what we find is, that he is out with his servant just traveling around trying to find a group of donkeys. And his servant goes, listen, man, we, we're just, we're getting tired. We don't want it's been a long time. Your dad's going to get worried about us being gone so long. I hear that Samuel, the prophet's down in this next town. Let's go to him and ask him, because he'll tell us where those donkeys are. He never misses it. He's always accurate. Let's go to him. He's like, What? You know, we have to give him a gift. Well, I got a little bit, I got some quarters on me. Okay, let's go. So they went, and when Samuel sees him, God. well, God actually was already preparing Samuel who would be, and then when he's see him, yeah, that's that's the one. That's the one that you're going to anoint and set aside as the first king of Israel. And so, let me find my place here. Hold on just a second. And so what he does is, um, uh, he said, "Well, come, come eat with me." And he gives him this extra portion, like a king's portion. And and he, uh, with the people he's around, he's sitting there honoring him and blessing Saul. And then he pulls him aside, and he anoints him with oil. And he says, "Hey, your donkeys are fine. Yeah, they've already been found. Don't worry about it." And um, and so. He tells him and anoints him, you're going to be the commander of the armies of Israel. You're the next king. And Saul is shocked. I mean, he was just out looking for his donkeys. And now he's sitting with the the most powerful man through the power of God and respected and feared man in all of the land. he's sitting next to him getting all this extra food and blessings from him. Wow. And... He is actually, though he is a, a stud, he is actually has humility. Because when he goes home and the donkey's been found and he talks to his uncle and says, What you're, to say, the prophet is the one, you went to him to find out about the, what did he say? What did the prophet tell you? He said, Oh, you know, he helped us find the donkey. He didn't tell him about, well, he actually anointed me as the next king, first king. He didn't even tell him that. He kept it quiet. This is 1 Samuel chapter 10. And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, please, what Samuel said to you. And Saul said to his uncle, He told us plainly that the donkeys have been found, but about the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel said. And then a little later on, it's time to to crown him king in the coronation. And Samuel gathers all the tribes of Israel together. All the tribes are there. There's this, you know, a huge crowd of people. And he's going to, Crown Saul and so he calls the Benjamin Benjamite tribe to step forward and he said and he he can't find Saul. He would his head would be sticking above everybody. He didn't see him like where's Saul. That's why we're here. They actually had to pray. Samuel had to pray and ask God, where is Saul? This is chapter ten, verse twenty two. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, There he is hiding among the equipment. So they ran and brought him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any other people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him who the Lord has chosen? That there is no one like him among all the people. So all the people shouted and said, Long live the king! And he's crowned as king. But it's amazing to see that Saul had humility. And he didn't want all that fanfare. He didn't want to step out in this, you know, talk about a quick transition. One day looking for donkeys, and just days later, he is the first king of Israel. And so we see this amazing start to Saul's ministry as king. Of Israel as commander of the army, of the armies of Israel. And he was doing really good. He was an amazing leader. He would trust God, he would ask for inquiry of the Lord and instructions in battle. And he had many battles, mostly with the Philistines and had many victories he reigned 41 years but we see in chapter 13 something happened that turned this path that Saul was on and what he did was as he was he, had, he was gathering uh, you know they, they didn't he was he was building his army, but usually when they had to fight, they had to like get messengers out. Hey, we've got this battle; everybody come! And they had to travel from the different tribes. And the Philistines were amassing a massive army of chariots and horsemen. And it says, as as many as the sands of the sea, the Philistine armies were building this massive army for battle. And Saul was there trying to gather some with them, and 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 it was. Um, Uh, Samuel said, wait seven days and I'll be there. Well, it was like the eighth day and people are starting to scatter. It was the ninth day. He says, this is, people are leaving and and I'm getting, you know, going to be totally overrun by this massive Philistine army. If they choose to go to battle, what's going to happen here? And so he said, listen, I'm going to go ahead and burn the sacrifices. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Because I, I, I'm, it was fear to change the instructions of what uh, Samuel had said to wait for me. I'm the prophet. I'll be doing the sacrifice. And out of fear, he said, "I'm not going to wait anymore. I'm going to do the sacrifice." And so he does. And it, and, and the and the timing was awful. All right, all right. I I did get mixed up. I got mixed up. In these different stories and battles. Well, well, no, no, I'm not mixed up. I'm not mixed up. So that's chapter 13. And that's when Saul, right when he's making those sacrifices Samuel's walking up and he goes oh he's disobeying God and that's when he said this phrase that God regrets putting you as king and God will choose another man with God's own heart like oh It goes into another scenario in chapter 15 where Saul could have repented and learned a lesson right then, but in chapter 15, this is the one I want us to break down in. It gets even more difficult to watch this fall and loss of humility from Saul and we're going to get a handful of lessons just by rereading the story to say, "Wow, this, these spiritual mistakes that Saul continued to make, he could have repented right then and, and learned from Samuel. but here he is in chapter 15. He's doing it again, but even, even more so. Verses one through three of chapter 15. Samuel also said to Saul, "The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people." Over Israel Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up out of Egypt. Now, that was the reason that God was leading Samuel to go against these people because years before, these people had attacked the Israelites. And God remembered that and wanted to punish them. He wanted to judge them. Verse 3, now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Now, that's, that's a powerful statement. It's clear. He said, heed the voice of the words of the Lord in verse 1, and then he gives these specific instructions. And I want to say, and you study uh, not just Saul, but again, and David, there's a lot of war. There is a lot of war. And you, and you ask it. I just want to hit it for a minute or two. Why so much war in the Old Testament? Well, number one, God shows his power through his strength in victories. and victories. And these these victories were miraculous victories. Number two, He God develops a fear of the Lord in the people so they would choose to follow the God of Israel. That was for the Israelites to follow him, that's for the other nations to go, wow, God, we've got to fear him. He is stronger than any God that we've ever heard of. Number three, it keeps these victories, these miraculous victories, they keep the wickedness of that culture from stre- spreading throughout the Israelites. You see, folks, you and I are in a total different world compared to them. And what I mean by this is we have the Holy Spirit in us when you have turned from your sins and repented, when you're looking toward Jesus Christ to come into your life, He cleanses you by His blood, and He comes and inhabits in your heart. They didn't have that in the Old Testament. God would speak to them. They had the Word of God. that God would, uh, They would speak to them through prophets and, and, and priests, and God. they would encourage them. They would read the, these Hebrew Scriptures, and that would empower them. The Holy Spirit might even come upon them for a moment, for a season, for a certain task of ministry, but they didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so to keep wickedness out of your life, you had to keep it at a far distance. That's wisdom even for us, right? You young people going to college, keep wickedness at a distance. At the same time, you're called to be a light in the world and God sends you in the world to be a light for Him. And they had to be wary of that. Number four... And there are many other reasons why there's so much war in the Old Testament. But it's to judge people for their wickedness. And that's what's happening right here. Is Samuel is speaking the words of God to Saul to send him into battle. And he is going to uh, have a victory. And with that victory, he's supposed to follow in instructions carefully. Now, what happens next in this story? There was a great victory in 1 Samuel 15. And it's amazing uh, about the victory. Everybody's, uh, you know, celebrating. But let me read verse 9 to give you some details. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the, the fatlings, the lambs and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. And so listen how Saul reacts to this. When Saul is waiting for Samuel to come, Listen how he reacts. Verse 13 of 1 Samuel 15. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. So he's all excited. They have the victory. He's coming to Samuel all proud and excited and so glad to see you, Samuel. Look what God has done. Verse 14. But Samuel said... What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, "Well, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed." Two things have happened right here. One is, Saul has lied to the prophets. He said, Look, I have obeyed the commandment of the Lord. Well, the commandment was really clear. He hadn't lied. He, he wasn't doing the truth. He hadn't come back. He is lying. He's trying to deceive and manipulate. Well, listen, we have this victory. Uh, the, the king is still alive, and the best sheep are still around, except, but we have obeyed the Lord. Uh-uh. And he did it as right to his face. I want to say that lying is just too popular today. It is too popular. We're scared to be honest about our mistakes and the wrongdoings we've done and will lie to cover us. Our little hiney's up. Let me tell you, if we have done something wrong, it is respectful to be honest and upfront about it. And so what did the second thing you do? First he lied, and then he said, oh, oh, well, it's the people that wanted to keep the best sheep and the best auction, and we destroyed all the stuff that we could. Blaming others. Pointing the finger at others. Let me tell you, folks, this is just bad character right in front of the prophet. It's like being on the basketball court in the NCAA tournament and there's 20 cameras looking at the court and somebody hits or kicks or trips somebody like it's not going to be seen. You're lying right, you know, the cameras are all on you. You're not going to be able to hide this thing. And that's what happens. Lying and deceiving and manipulation, blaming others. It will come out. You cannot hide it but so long. Let's go on. To what happened next. And some, some lessons to learn from this. So Samuel said in verse 22. Has the Lord. Has the Lord has as great delight. In burnt offerings and sacrifices. As in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed. Than the fat of rams. Because one of the excuses. When he blamed the people. Is oh we're going to. Use all these great sheep, they're perfect, they're blank. We're going to use all these livestock for the sacrifices. Didn't mention this before, but now it's being brought up. And he said, oh, it's for spiritual reasons, uh, reasons that we're doing. It's spirit, It's good reasons, Samuel. That's why we kept these. Because we want to be spiritual. And Whatever it says, this phrase, it is better uh, it, to obey is better than sacrifice. Sacrifice just means worship. It is better to obey than worship. And so, hey, you attend church on a regular basis, you might even raise your hands, but the six days during the week, you really don't have a commitment to follow God's ways and obey Him. let me tell you, that's not the worship God wants. He wants to worship six days a week out of your obedience of obedient life. Being religious and praying out loud in front of other people and so forth, If it's genuine, real, seven days a week, amen. But if that is a show to oppress somebody, it's going nowhere. Because it's better to obey than to have these outward forms of worship and it not be real at all. Verse 23, it even ramps it up some more. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity in in idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord... He also has rejected you from being king. You know, witchcraft is an awful... Satanic worship is a real thing. It happens every day. It's becoming more uh, uh, known through the media. And Anton LaVey wrote the Satanic Bible. One of the premises is a simple statement. Indulge your flesh. It's one of the foundations of Satanic life, uh, following Satan and Satan worship. Witchcraft is not that far away. And rebellion to authorities in your life, there, these are God-given uh, spiritual authorities in your life, can be like the practice of witchcraft. And stubbornness is a sin, and it's false worship. I want us to go through several lessons from this, and I, I, I want to... I don't want to rush through it. I'm going to go ahead and ask the praise team to come up, but I'm going to ask you to stay focused and stay with me here because I, I, I don't want to have a quick closing. But there's four lessons, and hopefully the Holy Spirit's pointed out other things to teach you and me other areas than that, just these four. But number one, God wants our full obedience and not Compromise. And that compromise is a pull of temptation when it's more convenient just to do it our way. To do it the shortcut way, to do it this way. And and or if it just it's gonna oh it's gonna look better, it's gonna have a materialism. We're gonna gain all this this wealth and all if we do it this way. I know it's really not pleasing the Lord, but hey, it's gonna be some other types of blessings of materialism or some for the church or this or that but it's still not full obedient let me tell you it's not obedience. let's not trick ourselves into like halfway partial obedience let's go on to the next one that God wants truthfulness not lying or blaming others to protect ourselves but God wants truthfulness We reveal our poor character when we start blaming others and we don't aren't honest about our own faults and what's happened to us and what we've done. And so I say to you please just kick the habit of lying and deceiving and telling half truths. Kick the break the habit ask the Lord To break that, He doesn't need you to protect yourselves. He'll protect you as you're humble and honest. The Lord will protect you. It might be hard for a season, but honesty always brings. God can bless the honesty, even if it's in the midst of a sin, an error, a mistake. God can bless the honesty. He can't bless your lying and deceiving. Number three, God wants us to heed our spiritual leaders that God has placed in our lives. He wants us to be teachable. He doesn't want us to become unteachable. So that you can be led. Spiritual leadership in your life is to bring people in a direction. It's a team that you're on. And if you say, oh, I really don't jive with that. I'm just going to step over here. Then you're no longer on the team. God puts leaders to bring people in unity in a direction and vision for teamwork and to accomplish that much more in the kingdom in teamwork. All of these things here are really that number four. God wants us to live well and end well, to persevere with humility. To not grow in a subtle pride that says, Oh, I can depend on myself. Either I know better or, Hey, uh, you know, you know, God will understand the situation that, that I can compromise part of it's, God's going to understand because I can... Or, you know, I have a... I, I've been doing this for years now, so I know this way is best. And no, listen. Listen. Don't let a subtle pride come in. Saul lost humility we're going to see in this long journey of understanding david this was an issue with him let me tell you pride is an issue with the human race even believers you can take every segment of the church and you can say oh you know they seem to deal with this kind of pride and this this Type of uh, church seems to deal with this kind of pride and this. I mean, it, it just shows up its ugly head in all of us. And it wants to tear down the humility that God has placed in us by His Spirit and His character. I want to say this prayer and then we'll let the worship team lead us in, a, in, in song here at the end here. Lord God, we are open to your Holy Spirit to convict us, to purify us. Lord, you want us to be fully obedient. You want us to be truthful. You want us to be humble and and be led by our spiritual leaders. You want us to be teachable. You want us to have humility throughout the different seasons of our life, Lord God, to grow in humility. And Lord, we pray, Lord God, We believe, Lord God, this is your will. I'm going to go ahead and say a salvation prayer right now. Because if you realize, either online listening to this message or someone here, that these are changes I can't do on my own, that's right. You must have the Spirit of God in you. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to, we want to pray with you right now. So if everybody could join in with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I can't change on my own. I turn away from my sin. And I turn towards you. come Holy Spirit into my heart cleanse me wash me with your blood fill me with your resurrection power Jesus I am yours I belong to you Lord Jesus we gladly follow you Amen. I I want to keep praying a little bit more, but you don't have to repeat after me. Praise God. I believe someone gave their heart to Christ today. Let's praise God for that. Thank you, Lord. I believe someone did, either here or online or both. Jesus, you are worthy to be followed. Jesus Christ, you're worthy to be obeyed seven days a week. It's It's not a church thing for us, Lord God. It's a life thing. Lord, it's not about just me getting a blessing, Lord. This is is us saying yes to you. Following you as a team that you put together at Living Waters to fulfill your will and and to see your kingdom expand. Thank you, Lord. We are here to say yes to obedience to you. Yes to holiness to you. Yes to humility to you. Lord God, we humble ourselves before you, Lord God say yes we do need you and we want you thank you lord that you are the victorious one in battle let's sing this song for a little while and then i'll send you out with the blessing in a moment
1: there's a table you prepared for me in the presence of Your body and your blood you shed for me. This is how I fight my battles. There's a table that you prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. It's your body.
0: You that you are the one who's always victorious in battle, so we gladly go into battle with you. And into this week, Lord God, our trust is in you. We're humble. We'll look into you, Lord God. We want to be obedient by your grace and power. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing into this week. We have people here available for prayer. Uh, We have for the next thirty minutes on Sunday morning a phone line for. Uh, you to call to receive prayer uh, online there on Sunday morning and uh, Lord Jesus thank you that we have your indwelling Holy Spirit and with that our week is blessed our week is good you're with us Lord God going into this week we're not alone Lord God and you fight our battles and give us a victory amen